Hey, Denobo, what are you doing? Thinking. Thinking what? Clean thoughts. Then uh, how come my dishes are dirty? Dirty? Dirty. Well, them poor, dumb little bastards. They never learn the power of positive thought. I uh, thought you said you was a dishwasher. I'm a dishwasher. I am a dishwasher. My hands is permanently puckered. But you know what? The thrill is gone. Hey, that's what happens when you turn pro. Even that first batch of suds, that first spreading of palm olive over troubled waters, that first plunge to the fold, that first hopeful fish for a dish, it is gone, Charlie. It is gone. And I think it's time that I'm moving on. Where? Where are you gonna go, Tony? West! West! Where else can a man go that needs elbow room? And uh, what the hell you need elbow room for? I'm thinking of taking up the accordion. Hey, you're not gonna make it in this business, Tony. You can't sing. You play guitar like a duck. That's cause my hands is permanently buckered. And, and anyway, this is California. There ain't no further west to go. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 261. And I'm your host, Lee. You're the prize in my box, and my box is this country, Russell. And I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Lee. What do I look like, man? A soda fountain, Hardy? How are you doing, ma'am? I do try to provide as much soda I can to the community. Okay. Yep. You know, the soda pops and pops and sodas. Yeah. Right. You're an activist. Yeah. I get it. You, I get it. Yeah. People need their sodas. <laughs> got to give them their sugar intake. <laughs> yeah. You got to give them diabetes. It's good stuff. It's <laughs> great. Uh, and we got two special guests. First off, we have Gary, like a fucking M&M, dig my thin candy shell hill. How you doing, sir? Oh, that shell is very uh, moldy with shame. There you go. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right and we are also joined by vaughn i seen the stripper getting dressed Coolmeyer, how you doing <laughs> sir <laughs> i mean that would totally completely like burn me alive right there just want to marry that woman and give her babies as soon as i get to see her dress yes, i'm doing fine <laughs> yeah right on 
and we are doing American Pop. This was a suggestion from Gary Hill, actually. It's like, you guys should do this fucking film, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think the idea probably stemmed from the fact that we did a bonus episode on our last Call of Torchies podcast where we did uh, Rock and Rule. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great film. Yeah, which is also a, and, you know, uh, Gary actually mis- mistakenly said that was a Basky uh, film. Uh, <laughs> and I get why, because, you know, it's, it's a fucking amazing little piece of animated work. Yeah. We're going to talk about that uh, momentarily. Cool. But uh, before we get into that, we do have two comments to get through first. So, uh, and these are from fellow podcasters. <laughs> first off, we have Tib Yobo from the Bloody Bits Horror Show uh, saying, I remember seeing it in the theater and being blown away. Vaughn's fucking shaking his head and putting his thumb down. <laughs> doing this motherfucker, this, yeah, you fucking this, this fucking New York piece of shit, Tib Yobo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then I can actually get, I can see how this is a Tim Yobo film. Like it's, yeah. it, it feels like Tim Yobo was in this film. Wow. Um, he says, I remember seeing it in the theater and being blown away by far. My favorite uh, Ralph Bashke uh, movie. I also remember that it took forever to finally be released for a home, the home market. Yeah. I mean, that's Bashke doesn't do well with like critical opinion necessarily. Uh, he's, he's definitely had some hits and some critical hits, but a lot of his career is kind of, mired in uh like we don't get you right now Pretty much. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh we have another comment uh from bradley kimball brayton bradley brady, brady kimball jesus christ how did i do that jesus i've been drink- i've been Probably drinking you. for a while Probably uh, yeah, definitely. i'm sorry i'm sorry brady uh brady kimball <laughs> this is what from- happens when you leave him drink <laughs> yeah yeah Brady, when I Brady, make everybody wait, and he just sits there and drinks the whole time. Yeah, this is Vod's <laughs> fault. He's he's driving yeah. me to drink. Uh, Brady Kimball <laughs> from the Solid Six podcast saying Bashki is amazing. Wizards is a favorite of mine, which is a really good movie that we should probably do at some point. And he says, for some reason, I've never heard of American Pop, so thanks in advance for the episode. Well, don't thank us yet, dude. <laughs> you haven't heard the episode, so you don't fucking know. Well, but, it doesn't mean uh, that. It just means that he gets to explore it. He's just excited that we're. Expanding his, his I was gonna say horizons, but that's not the right word. I mean, expanding I think, his knowledge on movies that he might want to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, this feels like a movie Solid Six should do. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and have all, me and have me on because they're all about emotions and family lineage and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, have me on for that episode, Brady, because you've been ghosting me now for forever. Um, just saying, uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, thanks for the comments, guys. Uh, we can move on from that and we can go into what we watched as of late. Uh, I'll throw over to you first, uh, Gary, if you have anything to mention. Oh, you know, at work, I watch terrible films, and yeah, I make no exception to say, make your employee say, or your, your co hey, what, what are you watching? And I said, I don't want to explain myself. So somebody pointed out a BM, um, a motocross movie for me from the early '90s, probably filmed in like 1987. Who the hell knows? Called Crossing the Line, mm-hmm. and this this basically about a guy who who's in the motocross and gets in trouble with a friend who drinks and then crashes and goes into a coma. So this in turn leads <laughs> leads into a, <laughs> a rivalry with the brother and. Everybody in town hates him because John Saxon is his father and he owns the steel mill. And you know, <laughs> there we go. Okay. 
<laughs> and you, you know what? It's it, it, he he goes on to say, "Hey, I'm a professional motocross person." And then it goes out of balance again, where he gets in a final battle with the brother of the person who is in a coma, who's not in a coma anymore. Yeah. And this sounds really convoluted and stupid because that's what it is. But it's on Tubi. <laughs> you can watch it for free. Oh. But uh, the the real draw for me is um, it stars John Saxon, Cameron Mitchell, uh, really Paul Paul Paul, Paul Smith, uh, blue to himself. And he got nice. pieces. There's Holy one shit. more in there. Yeah. All these John, John reactors just, just slummited in this movie, like collected a check. Oh, for, <laughs> you, you get like two minutes of Vernon Wells, this movie. Really? As, as wow. the guy who, as the guy who, who runs the major motocross team in the town. Oh my God. You know? Okay. Yeah. I, I saw you, I saw you like talk about this on Facebook. And it was like, okay, this is sounds like bullshit. I'm not going to watch, but you just mentioned the actors who are in it. And I'm like, okay, I might check this out. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. It's got one of those weird endings. I'm like, yeah. This ending seems like it should be, you know, in between the the last motocross race, but it's not. It's just these guys riding around trying to kill this other guy in this factory on motor, okay. on, motor on motorbikes, you know. Okay. And, um, uh, I think you bes- sold me on this. <laughs> yeah. Besides that, I, I watched Double Impact for no reason at all, just because it was on Prime. Mm-hmm. This is this this is where I guess John Claude got paid twice because he plays twins in the film. Yeah. And, <laughs> They're trying to get their family money back or something, and Jeffrey Lewis shows up to to class the place up, mm-hmm. and Bolo's in it doing stuff. Kind of goes out <laughs> like a bitch. So don't don't watch it if you're looking for uh, if you want to watch a good Bolo fight, don't watch this movie. Yeah. Um, it's nice cheese. It's it's pre crazy cocaine um, Van Dam and. <laughs> Oh, you know when it hits that point, uh, Lady Lee, when he gets all up in his nose candy, it happens around 1994, I think. And um, you, you weren't quite there yet. And uh, Street I was Fighter. With Van Damme. Well, Street Fighter, he's high as a kite. Let's put it that way. He's high as a kite in that movie. <laughs> you bastard bison. Come on, man. You know. I, I unapologetically love that It was that, such that, a bad movie, but it's so good. You, you, know, you know why it's so good? It's because it's so the, bad bad. Guy, the bad guys sell it so well. Because oh yeah! Oh yeah! He was Ra- fucking Ra- perfect. Raul Julia as as freaking um as as um Bison, you know, is magical. You know, because uh, you, you know, because, face he made. <laughs> you know, because you know, uh, on the the, the, day, the day Bison raided your village was the worst day of your life. To me, it was Tuesday. I can't do it like him. You know, but, uh, it is yeah. a masterful line. That is That's great. Why, that's why he's so great in that. That's why Langella is so great, Masters of the Universe, because mm-hmm. he he rewrote most of his lines. So when he gets there at the for the finale, he goes the Alpha and the Omega. You know all that all that shit. If you haven't watched it, lady, just look for the clip. There's a clip on YouTube that has all of Langella's lines from Masters of the Universe, and just watch that. You can really enjoy yourself, okay? You know. Yeah, you don't. You don't need to actually watch Masters of the Universe. That's the thing that you don't need well, to do. The line delivery is phenomenal. So there yeah, it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm done. Go for it. You know. All right, uh, Vaughn. Okay, so I only have one thing. I, I've been since the beginning of the year rewatching all the Street Fighter films, and I got all the Sunny Chiba ones done. And I was like, all right, I'll go to the next one. So there's four sister Street Fighters. Mm-hmm. So I started with, you know. Sister Street Fighter yeah. uh, from 74, which 
this is like you know it's it's a continuation of the of those Street Fighter films. You have Chiba even pops up as his character in the film. He doesn't. Like, no, he doesn't pop up. Uh, yeah, I know it's somebody different, but if you're not really. You're like, oh, Chiba, fuck it. Like, it's just like, you know, it's because the character, because it's all different characters. I know, even though the, the woman who plays the, our main hero in these set of four films, she's not the same character she was in the first and the third film of those, hey, key, hey, of those hey, Street hey, Fighter hey. films. Yeah. And um, <laughs> she's attacking her cat. The fuck. But. These are kind of like, you know, just a continuation. Toho wanted to keep making movie, making these kind of movies because the original Street Fighter films made, you know, really well. They did really yeah. well for them. They got released here in the States pretty much as they came out in Japan. Um, and this one is fucking, it's phenomenal as a start off for this four film series. Um, and I know that they kind of get crazier and weirder as you go along. And I think even the guy who directed the original Street Fighter comes back to direct the last one. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I just I've never seen these before. I've seen Street Fighter, those Street Fighter films, like probably They're since great. I was a kid, like all the mm-hmm. time. Um, and and the other thing, the only other thing is that as a birthday gift to myself, I bought that Indicator Mad Dog Morgan release. Oh yeah, yeah. And I've been digging through it. I haven't watched the film, the version because it's like the original Australian cut, the 103 minute cut, and then the American cut. But just kind of like digging through it and looking at all the special features, especially the 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 film itself is probably the best version of the film I've ever seen compared to nice. like those terrible trauma versions we've had to deal oh, with yeah, in the yeah, States yeah, for yeah. years. Um, so I'm probably going to do that tomorrow and watch the, the longer cut of the film. It's only like seven minutes longer, but it's seven minutes. Like, you know, I, I really want to see what they what that seven minutes is. Yeah, and if if you'd like to hear Vaughn and I talk about that film, yeah, uh, go go over to the Mustachioed Podcast, yo, because we mm-hmm. did an episode where we just took over the show and kept Daniel in the background because oh, you know he nice. does he doesn't he doesn't have anything to say about movies anyway. So mm-hmm. fuck that guy. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I just I just bullied that guy and bullied him into getting me back on the show sometimes. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he was so he was stone sober so if you were listening to this he has to remember regardless i even said it to him it's like it was like it was the middle of a day on a tuesday i was like hey we're setting this up and you're sober ah you're screwed <laughs> <laughs> all right uh lady yeah. lee anything you watch lately yeah so i watched uh once upon a time deadpool okay What's so the yeah, Deadpool? The, Sorry, that's, what's the, Deadpool? That's, that's the sanitized version, right? That's of the one with Fred Savage, where they did the whole uh, Princess uh, Bride. Mm-hmm. Wait, Princess? Yeah, Princess Bride. Yeah, Princess okay, Bride. I was mm-hmm. mixing up my princess movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah, they did Princess Bride style uh, with Fred Savage. And um, it's hilarious, because I've watched this movie, like, I don't know how many times. I love the Deadpool movies. They're just so, like, goofy fun. Mm-hmm. And I always love like over the top unnecessary action. Like that's literally down my alley. So uh, when I watched this, um, I was just even though it's this exact same film, I was so stoked to rewatch it with these like small parts with Fred Savage. Because, anyways, I thought they were so hilarious. Like it's just a perfect way to just double down on the same movie and get money off of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, how do we like not do anything? Or barely do anything and get more revenue coming in. Let's just yeah. take, make a a rated version with Fred mm-hmm. Savage. Well, the, the parts <laughs> that the parts they added, you know, just added more to the jokes. And oh my god, I, I, I think I, th- I think it works. It really works. The, mm-hmm. the only the only thing that you know the only shame is that 
you know, Peter Falk wasn't still around mm. where he where he could do it. You know, that that would have been great. Like that would have been so fucking perfect. But you know, unfortunately. Oh yeah, have him tied up and Peter Falk being like, I'm <laughs> to be the story of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it was it was so like a marketing grab, but you know what? I fell for it. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, I've got a couple things to mention here. Um, first off, I'll just mention this. I, d- I did this as a watch party. I've been, you know, I've been showing uh, my normie friends, you know, B movies and fun exploitation films and stuff like that. <laughs> the last probably year or more now at this point. I yeah. Think, rightly. I think. Yeah. 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 Um so I've shown them both the first two Street Fighter films and we finally got to the Street Fighter's Last Revenge uh nice. the other week. And they loved it and it it is fucking way out of in left field from the other previous two films. Like it it's it it, it turns it into like a James Bond film almost to a certain degree and you know it doesn't have, it unfortunately doesn't have the uh, X-ray, you know, uh, cuts or whatever, where, you know, he hits somebody and then you see like an X-ray of the dude's skull cracking and shit like that. So it doesn't quite have that fun element to it, but it's still like just really fun because it makes no fucking sense. And yeah. it's, it's stupid as fuck. And, and, but Chiba is really good in it. Yeah. It, it, that was a big fucking hit. And it's, it just solidified my belief that like if you have normie friends who don't watch like exploitation and B movies and stuff, yeah, just just show them the Street Fighter films. Oh, definitely. They're not friends of yours. Uh, Your friends well, don't watch. <laughs> maybe, friends maybe. Friends at all. I mean, if 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 you can't <laughs> find something you don't like in the Street Fighter films, then there's probably something wrong with you, because those films are just highly entertaining, and. And they, they get stupider and stupider. And the, the weird thing is, it's not like there's years between them. They were all nope. basically made in the same year. Yep. And they were just like, what trends can we fucking exploit? Oh, well, we got we got kung fu movies. We got fucking spy movies. Yeah. Yakuza movies and shit like that. We would do it all. We'll do it yeah. in three films. It, and they did. They're awesome. Yeah, they're just they're wonderful. Like, yeah, it's just like the, the third film is like, okay, we've obviously ran out of money. We can't do the fancy x-ray shots anymore because mm-hmm. that costs money but still highly entertaining film that makes no fucking sense at all but it's still great um other one i'll mention dark angel aka i come in peace which yes. is which is on shutter right now uh you know directed by craig r baxley who did and it's it's got like brian benben and dolph Lung- yep. in it. it's, it's a buddy <laughs> cops and it is it's fucking great. Like it is the, for me, it's kind of the quintessential like transition movie between the eighties and the nineties because definitely. it's it's definitely an eighties movie that is like seeing what the nineties is going to be, yeah. and then like the nineties kind of rips off kind of most of the shit that the that's done in this movie, and it's you know it's just Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benman fighting this alien drug dealer, this albino alien drug dealer with a skullet who. Goes around saying, "I come in peace." Uh-huh. Whenever he like kills a victim and like mm-hmm. injects him with injects him with heroin, basically, and fucking uh, gives him an overdose, and then takes their adrenaline because that's the drug for the aliens out there somewhere. Um, and it's so stupid. <laughs> Great action scenes in it. It's probably yeah. probably Dolph Lundgren's 
like best starring role. I think like it's he's he's pretty fucking good at it. Um, and then it's 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 weird that it's weird to me that he's not a bigger you know like that and like was. that and like Red Scorpion. I think are probably two of his like. Mm-hmm. Pinnacle as Steve. You, you didn't like the line shot on Little Tokyo where Brandon Lee tells him, You got the biggest penis on a, a man I've ever seen, or something he says, you know. <laughs> you got the biggest thing I've ever seen in a man, yeah. Like, yeah, that, no, that's good too. It, it just feels like he, he came to prominence when that genre was kind of like direct to video and it kind of right. died. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, fucking Dark Angel. I, I hate yeah. that title. I, I know it is. I come in peace. peace. And that's a fucking great. It's fun from mm-hmm. start to finish. Like it man, never the Christmas film too. Yeah. And it never yeah. slows down, man. It's just, mm-hmm. and like Brian Ben Ben is fucking great in it. Is oh, the, yeah. like, this straight lace cop who <laughs> is, <laughs> is just like a, a dick. And yeah. <laughs> pretty much the character he plays in every goddamn thing he's in, which is great. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's got and, one note and that was it. And it's just like, awesome. And, okay. Yeah, it does, it, it, it does scream like the late eighties. Like, like, what if Nino Brown was a large Swedish man who came down from outer space? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love the fact that the alien cop who comes to like hunt down the alien drug dealer has an even more pronounced fucking skullet. Like, he's even balder. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it, it's so good. But, um, it, it's it's highly entertaining. It's on Shutter right now. You have no excuse not to see it, other than if you're an idiot who doesn't have Shutter at this point. Because uh, I, I know, you know. Again, I say it again. Fucking the joke was Shutter had five movies, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now they have everything, and they yep. they're constantly dumping everything on their service every month. So just do it. <laughs> you can watch that Abraxas and the Principal double feature because for some reason in Abraxas, there's that that crossover between that and the Principal with James Belushi. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Make it feel real special, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're gonna take a quick little break here, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about American pop. You ungodly warlock! Howdy, folks. Like blood, violence, freaks, and nature. You come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinnamon Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that, check out motionpicturemassacre.com or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre and you'll find it.
This has been your announcer, Cowardly Fuck Your Bags, signing off. Eat a dick. You ungodly warlock. Good timing. <laughs> you know what I forgot to do because I had to pee so bad? Yeah. Got this, what? Man. Look at this buddy ass. Yeah, there we go. I fucked up my format. God How damn dare it. you. Yeah, Jesus. People are they're going to turn away from this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. because you fucked up like that. We're done. I quit. Yeah, we're done. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about American Pop 1981. Salmi should have been a star. The kid's a genius. But there were complications. Benny could have been famous. But life got in the way. Really ain't no use to send wonder why, baby. Tony had a brush with success. You the one who writes the songs? Don't you know I'm nothing without you? But had to let it go. I want you to play... One of my songs. So it was up to Pete to grab it, hold it, and make himself heard. Working on a night move, trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night move, 
one family. Some music I love. Four generations. This is work. This is play. In love with the sound of American pop. Ralph Bakshi, the creator of Fritz the Cat and Lord of the Rings, now takes modern animation a quantum leap forward with a motion picture of incredible beauty and remarkable power. Dance to it, drive to it, sing with it, or swing with it. If you can crank it up, plug it in, or switch it on. If it assaults your senses, rocks your body, or touches your soul. It's American Pop. Directed by Ralph Baskey, Jewish man, born in Israel, immigrated with his parents to escape uh, the horrors of World War II, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Worked his way up in uh, Terry Toon's studio, Uh, started as a cell polisher and graduated to cell painting, Uh, inker and then animator, worked on Mighty Mouse, Heckle and Jekyll, Deputy Dog, uh, Foof. Lee and Lariat Sam and yeah. his own series, The Mighty Heroes. And then he got into TV and films and desired to make more adult animated fare. And that's sort of where his career took off. Yeah. Uh, his his first one was Robert Crumb's Fritz the Cat, which yeah. was a big hit. Um, it, <laughs> it, was, it was the first uh, feature-length animated film to receive an X rating. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it allowed him to produce his own product. Uh, his own projects because it was such a big hit. So he did stuff like uh, heavy traffic and coonskin. Yeah. Which, <laughs> and he, and he went on to uh, do some really highly praised uh, fantasy stuff like wizards uh, and the J.R. Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings, which he never got to finish. Uh, nope. You know, he, he did the first film in it and never got to finish it. But I mean, this was the first time really that he got into uh, showing his signature of using rotoscoping in his films, which of, if people are not familiar, maybe possibly it's the animation technique that animators use to trace over uh, motion picture footage frame by frame and yep. produce realistic action. Right. So the studios and critics did not get what he was doing and wouldn't let him make a sequel to the uh, Lord of the Rings stuff. Basically it was not a hit, uh, but then he went on to make American pop later and Fire Nice in the 1980s, which was also a flop. He has done some TV and to various degrees of success. And his last film was the horribly received Cool World, which um, not his fault, basically, because that was a movie where basically the producers took it over and took yeah. it out of his hands. Like so. shit the bed so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did a short uh, six, seven years ago. Last days of Last Coney days Island, Island yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is unique. It's a very interesting little short film, um, and it was like you know it was kickstarted or Indiegogo, I think, and I think it was like him seeing if he actually can still do it. And he, you know, it's for sure it's actually pretty good. And I think they were trying to get him 
like kind of get him back. But now he's like, what? I think how old is he now? Like in his late seventies? It's got to be. I think so. Like, no, he's eighty-three. Sorry. 80, uh, yeah, there you so, go. So, so he was doing that in his late seventies, like, and it was mm-hmm. all him doing it by hand. Um, Damn. So, <laughs> so he's pretty much just like retired now and just kind of hanging out. Which is cool, but like, yeah, this film and then the film that follows after it, hey, good looking, are kind of like parallels, okay. I guess you can say, because they're both kind of very music influenced uh, kind of films. All right, um, uh, we got a writer here, Ronnie Kern. Basically, mm-hmm. the only credit I saw of, of note as a movie was A Change of Seasons, nineteen eighty, which I don't even know what the fuck that no. is, and mostly written TV after that. Yeah. Um, as far as our cast here, we have Ron Thompson as Tony Belinsky and Pete Belinsky. Uh, he was actually in the White Buffalo. Uh, I, I need to rewatch it now to find him because he's he's credited as Frozen Dog Pimp, <laughs> which I, do, I don't remember that character, <laughs> but that that is that is a great name for a character. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Lisa Jane Persky as Bella. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Lippa as Zalmi Belinsky. Richard Singer as Benny Belinsky. Jerry yeah. Holland is Louie. Muse Small is Frankie Hart. Um, and then we, I just wanted to mention Richard Bowl has just got like a bit part here as Poet. Yeah. And of course, people know him, Bull Night Court. I know him more from like stuff like Evil Speak, The Sword and the Sorcerer, The Dungeon Master. He's the fucking Dungeon Master. Uh, and he's in uh, House, and he's also uh, Harvey Dent and Two Face in the yeah. Batman animated series. Uh, which is cool. Uh, Vincent Chiavelli, by the way, uh, I immediately knew what character he was when he appeared on screen because he looks just like him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> theater owner, and people know him as uh, mostly as the uh, subway ghost in Ghost. In ghost, you know? right. Yeah. yeah. And Lee well, Ving pops up in this film, too. I he does. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the band that uh, at the end there that uh, mm-hmm. the character Pete like it's like I'm not going to deal drugs to you anymore. I'm I'm, I'm going to write songs for you, basically, kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got uh, Linda uh, Westmeyer as the blonde, and she's right. you know she's the waitress in in uh, Kansas or Kentucky or which, which was that he went to some flat fucking mm-hmm. yeah Kansas Kansas yeah, uh, but. She she's a notable uh, sort of like sex exploitation exploitation actress in the eighties. She was in Joysticks, Private School, Preppies, Malibu Express, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but yeah, Lee Ving is punk rocker, and of course, you know Lee Ving, Headman of Fear, and uh, was also in Clue for a cup of coffee, and has done some other movies here and there. And uh, Ralph Bashke even has a cameo in here as piano player. So uh, huh. there we go. Uh, we have synopsis here. American Pop is the animated story of a very talented and troubled family, starting with the 19th century Russia and moving through several generations of musicians. The film covers American Pop through music from the pre-jazz age through rhythm and blues, 1950s rock and roll, drug-laden psychedelia, and punk rock, finally ending with the onset of New Wave in the early 1980s. You know, New Wave, heralded by Night Moves. Bob Seeger. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, 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 and I bought it hook, line, and sinker, goddammit. Yeah, I yeah, know. No. The, the movie certainly gets you there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into it here. Uh, first off, we'll, we'll just throw up the Gary since he suggested this film. Uh, what's your sort of general thoughts on this, sir? Well, this is my favorite backseat film. I think um, as far as the animation goes, it's probably the most perfect that you've ever done. Uh, it gets you 
right the feels right from the opening credits i think mm-hmm. you know, it tells tells a wonderful story which you know think of like hellraiser bloodline but as as this guy being uh, an immigrant and you know his whole family bloodline being pushed in through musicianship and hardship and death and despair until eventually somebody become, becomes successful you know, in the just, end, of just film. just no cinnabites yeah. or demons. Yeah, yeah, no, no cinnabites <laughs> or demons. Just just drugs and and you know, <laughs> you know, Russian Cossacks. You know, keep killing the people and yeah. Oh God, there, there's there's the scene where um, the boy has to identify his mother after the fire. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It smacks me in the feels a lot of this, a lot of this movie and right. I, I think it's pretty perfect, and I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say about it, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in then for sure. But it, it, it's, it's something you have to experience. I'll put it that way mm-hmm. for me All to right. explain everything about it. You know, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Vaughn, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of up there in the top fives, definitely. Um, and I hadn't watched it in a long time, so I watched it last night. And I was like, oh, yeah, perfect. And I like how it's like weirdly personal, but it's not. Like based on his life, um, because it's about you know a Russian immigrant family and he was you know a Russian immigrant, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So it's like you know he's kind of he takes certain things from his like own life, but it's like you know he was you know a, a cartoonist and an artist and stuff like that. Um, and I like the mix of music and stuff like that. I like how he mm-hmm. he keeps it more kind of you know in the 30s and 40s like, you know every time we hit a war or something like that it's very kind of of the time and then like yeah as it gets closer and closer near the end you can definitely tell that he was probably like obligated to use like night moves or something like that in there <laughs> like cuz he's like it's like well we paid for this and we got to use it so it's like okay i'll use it at this point in time cuz that like i like all the punk rock stuff near the end of the film i, I think mm-hmm. that he actually really um, like you know, really kind of chimes the punk rock angle at the late of the late seventies stuff like that with all the way it's shot and the colors mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and I just like how it is. Yeah, it's like it's just it's this thing where these this family just kind of is just filled with tragedy until the very end. Um, and you get the one you know, and it's kind of their own up. It's their own giving because they kind of get into the wrong. They get their hands in the wrong pockets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like ultimately, I think it's a it's a really great film, and it's you know I I wish there was I think there's a Blu-ray out of it, but I if if not, there should be, and like like it should be and more of his films should be kind of commended nowadays, and they kind of like not forgotten because there are some people who still kind of really like you know champion his work, but like I wish that it was more irregular. More people yeah. kind of just like, yeah, this fucking stuff from the seventies when he was really trying to push, you know, when Disney was kind of floundering, and you know, you, know, you had Don Bluth and all these other people kind of trying to merge in the late seventies and early in early eighties, like yeah, and you had Bashki in the middle, kind of just like doing his own thing, and he he was able to achieve something that no one else could, and no one else still can, you know, the whole kind yeah. of pushing pushing animation towards a more of an adult, uh, you know, for not just for kids. Even though it's not all about tits and ass and and all that stuff, it's it's more kind of emotional projects and stuff like that. There's definitely some titties and dicks in this film, but they're not in your face. They're like in the background, right? Uh, it's unlike the stuff that we're like the animated stuff for adults nowadays, where it's that kind of shit. Yeah, where it's just like you know, we just have animated cocks in people's faces and stuff. They're like oh, films about food. Where it's blatantly just a running dick joke through the ninety-minute movie. <laughs> but but you know you're right. There there is a. 
there there is like you know he's filling a, a gap that like disney's like at this point they're kind of like pushing towards we don't want to do animation anymore we want to do live action films we're going to make condor man <laughs> like yeah. Fuck, fuck you. yeah right <laughs> um yeah uh lady lee your thoughts i I did enjoy it. Uh, so it took me a little bit to get. So first of all, sorry, I'm going to start with this. Um, <laughs> the version I found was a, a VHS rip. Okay. So that was hilarious. To me I too. gave you a login to to a, an excellent copy of it, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, because I remember that. This, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the story to tell. Of course, it was. Yeah, we were supposed to do this episode like three weeks ago. So oh, you know, okay. whatever. More like, I feel like it's longer now. <laughs> Maybe so two hours ago. For so many weekends. <laughs> uh, okay, so I found a VHS rip. Uh, I just kind of like Googled watch, whatever. And it's one of these share sites. And uh, I'm like, perfect. Found it. And it's an actual VHS rip with like the previews and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So the first preview that they played was Spice World. <laughs> which kind of gave me a giggle i was like oh this is perfect yeah we were talking about music this second okay so there was a third one i wasn't paying attention because i was like getting my dinner ready uh the third one that played was heavy metal <laughs> oh yeah nice so all i have to say went from spice world to heavy metal have you seen heavy metal i have seen heavy metal okay but i just laughed i just kind of like it was just this you know the biggest like fucking girl group like girl power group to like this uh animated movie that like i think it's pretty underground like i don't think too many people know about it um a lot of people know about it but it it is like a yeah it's not as it's a cult film it really is okay that that's a better way to put it Mm -hmm. but anyways anyway just made me fucking laugh just the comparison like the drastic change between uh like Usually they put similar movies. This <laughs> was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just two left, like just, just two opposite ends. Um, so that made me laugh. Uh, okay, yeah. So to the movie. Um, the last movie I saw like this uh, was cool. Why can't I remember the name now? The World. Cool, cool World. World. Yes. So yeah, the last one I saw like this was Cool World, and I fucking hated that movie. Like it was such a bad movie. <laughs> So it took me a little bit to get into this one because it like had the animation when there was like nothing in the background. And again, I'm that person who has to have like constant stimulation or I lose focus. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely got into it. Like I definitely um, really appreciated. I really appreciated the story. I appreciated how it was uh, done as well. And I thought it was really cool that there was like pictures of just live action shots mm-hmm. and that were just thrown in at random. I'm like, that's really fucking like that's just something random but it's so fucking cool yeah uh and then i thought there was like a very like kind of beautiful tragedy that was going on so you had the beginning with the son um who like you said had to identify his mother but you had that like the beginning where like he's already in show kind of in show business he's a part of it he's born into it and uh when his mother dies he like really wants to get into it and then he has the accident that like messes them up. So there's like these constant um, obstacles that he has to climb over. And when he has a son, he tries to like make his son do the things that he never could do. Yeah. So he's almost like pushing his son to like um, do everything he couldn't do. Um, he's like living vicariously in his footsteps. And yeah. the son almost felt like he didn't want to do any of it. He didn't want any of the fame. He didn't want any of the attention. Um, like when he got married, it was like basically to help the father out because he fucked up. 
Yeah, it's an arranged mob marriage. Yeah, and uh, you could see, like, there's this resentment from the son. Like, there's this bitterness from the son. Like, especially after the mother dies from, like, the, the bomb that they found. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she got in the mail that he was supposed to open. You could just see the son who just didn't want to because, like, he enlisted in the war. And he was very indifferent about it. And then when the Nazi um, came to shoot him. Uh, and he played the piano. It was like he didn't give a fuck. He kind of accepted his life at that point. He's like, eh, fuck it. I'm done anyway. He, he kind of, yeah, that that scene is fucking, I thought that was fucking brilliant. Like that, <laughs> like I'm, I'm looking at it like, okay, he, that guy does not care about whether he lives or dies. He knows he's going to die. And he just. And he's like, at least I get to do what I love doing. Because he loved playing piano. Yeah. He still wanted to become famous. He just wanted to play. Yeah. And, um. I thought that kind of was like a really powerful moment because there's been um, there's one mini documentary that I watched where uh, the I can't remember the details because I'm terrible with all the fucking small details, but there was a guy playing the trumpet in order to like sound. I don't know what they did during the war, but anyways, a trumpet player. And instead of doing the, the sound that he was supposed to do, he played a song instead. And it turns out there was a sniper somewhere who was like aiming for this uh, trumpet player and he heard the music and it brought him to tears and he didn't shoot the guy. Hmm. So uh, I thought that was kind of this beautiful, powerful moment that you saw where in that moment, the the Nazi was very like content and happy where you almost thought like he was just going to leave, but then like brutally just fucking murders the guy. Yeah. Like it was just, it was kind of heart wrenching. Like when you saw mm-hmm. it, it was very heart wrenching. Um, and then you see the grandson who again has this like brought up with a broken family, this resentment, like this kind of anger, but still like this want to to be talented, like to be in show business and do all that stuff. And he gets there, but then he gets addicted to drugs, fucks up. So again, it's this disaster that happens, but he is doing something beautiful. Like he is making music and stuff. But then like when the singer dies, all that stuff, you see his life just crumble. And then I assume it was meant to be hinted that this was his son. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, he ends up being, yeah, a part of this drug. So he's a part of this like broken start, but then he ends up being finally what the great grandfather wanted, like yep. to achieve that fame that he wanted for his wife, that he wanted for his son, that he wanted for his grandchild. And mm-hmm. now finally, like finally it took generations, but now it's there. It's there. They're like famous. He's there. He's popular. He's like world renowned. And yep. it just, it was kind of cool to see like this struggle and the sacrifices that generations of families made in order to acquire what they wanted. But then you see all this tragedy that happened trying to go for this goal, like trying to push for this goal. So yeah, yeah that's what I kind of said. It's like this beautiful tragedy. Well, yeah, great. The grandson or great grandson makes it, but look at all the fucking loss that happened in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this a lot. I really love the fact that it was really focusing on like, okay, we're going to tell this Russian Jewish immigrant story, but we're going to really connect it to one of the most like laudable things about American culture, which is popular music and the history of popular music in American culture, which is a, a unique thing that came from America and uh, it sort of chronicles that yeah. really well. And I 
thought that the the whole you know the whole tragedy of the story was very well done, and I like the duality of the fact that you know it starts out our initial character, the young boy, he gets sort of like taken in by this vaudeville shyster, and at the end we have uh, we have the character of um, Tony, and he his sort of estranged son who, who comes to meet him, you know, the, the, the son from his one night with that, uh, that waitress, it, it's, it's kind of the same relationship because he, at that point, uh, Tony is a uh, junkie and he's using his son yeah. to, you know, to, 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 to make money. And, you know, at, at, by the time their rela- relationship ends, he's like, I'm going to pawn your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and it's like, I don't want you to pawn my. I'm going to pawn your fucking guitar. Like you don't trust and, me? No, I don't. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting little duality there, where you know, uh, the the progenitor of this this whole sort of like family basically uh, was in with his own shyster who was basically using him, and then you get a reflection of that at the very end, but it comes to a much more positive outcome. Yeah, uh, at the end of things. Although you know, the film doesn't necessarily like. We don't get all this extra, like, here's what happened to this character. Here's what happened to this character kind of thing. Like, it really jumps through the generations very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the music score, too. Like, the musical score that it's, shows that was so generational. It's, like, it's, it's brilliant the way they do it, too, because some of it is like, okay, here's the original artist, and they're doing the song. So, like, you got Jimi Hendrix doing Purple Haze, but at the same time, you've got the act that um, Tony is hooked up with, it's basically an amalgamation of uh, Grace Slick, some Mama and Papas, and uh, what can I think of the name? Uh, Janis Joplin. So yeah. it's kind of an amalgamation of that, and so they're doing their songs as their act, and you, and it's you can already already see where it's going. It's like okay, she's gonna fucking spaz out on drugs or alcohol one or the other because she's yeah. obviously Janis Joplin. It's showing, yeah, it's showing kind of the reality of like a lot of, because what, during that time period, how many um, musicians passed away due to mm-hmm. drugs? Like there's a whole list of them where yeah. young too. And it just kind of shows you that, like that lifestyle, that whole thing. Again, like it's just massive amounts of tragedy. Like it's just a crazy amount. And yeah, the ending is just this beautiful like success, but fuck me, was it ever dark? Like for that period, like it's just such a dark movie when you really, when you're watching it. Because obviously, if you're a passerby, you'll hear the music, you'll see it, and you'll think like, oh, it's animated. There's music, like there's good music. Mm, yeah. And all the songs they play too, even when there's tragedies that were happening, the songs are very upbeat. Like they're very like contrary to what was happening, and it, it added more to that um, dark side. But yeah, a passerby would just think this is like a fun musical movie but no it's fucking dark mm. <laughs> the best best use of hell is for children by pat benatar ever is in this movie yeah, yes yeah. <laughs> definitely oh <laughs> so good it's a good i really enjoyed this movie i thought this movie uh was brilliantly done like i said it took me a little bit to get into it because i was um reluctant because of like my past experience i mean i would say it's not even you like i it, it does start off slow like like i I would argue it really doesn't pick up big time until you get to the very end like you get to the point where tony does acid Mm -hmm. and like that's the that's the 
somebody to love sequence where, you know, the concert's going on. He does acid and he has his accident where, you know, like he breaks his arms or whatever the fuck, you know, yep. kind of thing. Um, that the visuals there are fucking amazing. Like that's where like, I think the rotoscoping and the animation, like there's actually some computer generated stuff in this as well. Early computer generated stuff going on in this. That was kind of cool for me. It was kind of cool, like metaphor of uh, when he did acid and that whole trip was like getting too close to the sun Mm because he had celebrated so much success and all that stuff. And he was like reaching for the top. And because he had like no stability or anything like that, he was just going for it. Like didn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Like he just crashed down hard. And that's kind of afterwards. That's all you see is the, the road to fame made it, but Mm -hmm. just, went too hard too fast real icarus thing yeah yeah um but and then i I mentioned how like all the visuals i feel like really come together in that scene because early on as much as i love like the design for everything and like i I love how the characters look like the characters drawn in this they all have like really weird noses okay that uh one scene with um wow i can't remember his name now the first son (laughs) the first guy the one he had to identify his mother. What's his name? Zalmi. Zalmi. Yeah, Zalmi. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I forget what I was saying. <laughs> it's it's fine. Like like honest, honestly, I I had trouble like keeping track of who was who because at some points, like sometimes you see people like, is that the same person I saw before? Because right. you're not seeing actors, right? You're seeing animated like on top of these people. So it's like at times it's like. Is that the same girl? Yeah. Oh, like, well, that intro scene. That intro scene when um, he meets the stripper. Right. And they have like that sex scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. That I kind of giggled because that was like the odd, awkwardest like facial expressions and like finger and mouth. And mm-hmm. you knew they were going to have sex. I get that. And she was yeah. supposed to be making these like sexy faces. They were far from sexy. Like, they were <laughs> <giggled>. <laughs> like the Benny sequences I thought were pretty fun. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, we clearly, you know, and he enlists because he doesn't really like he wants to do something he wants to give to his country or he wants to work, actually. And like, they're like, oh, no, but you work. And he's like, no, 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 this isn't work. This is fun. This is play. Yeah. And like the he's given a he's got harmonica and they're like, yeah, you need to you need to stop playing that because you're bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when he finds the piano and he's playing the piano and you have the, the crowd behind him. Um, and he plays a he plays like a German he plays like a German song for him, and then he thanks him, and then he shoots him to death. And it's like it's just that whole sequence is just done so well. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that it's like this film where it kind of go as the wars go on, and we don't get into Vietnam all that much. Which I was kind of amazed that he didn't like have one of them enlist or get like a that feels weird right because like yeah. it's made right around the time it's like where maybe we should be talking about vietnam but he doesn't choose to do that no yeah well they, they chose more going to you know the other side of vietnam which was the protesters and yes. the yeah. love people and mm-hmm. that i mean it was pretty phenomenal too because you know you got the, the iconic you know the, the, there's that scene where they they reenact the iconic you know Vietnamese guy getting shot in the head. On the yeah, magazine. yeah, and yeah. But they do yeah. it more cartoony, you know. But it's it's all mm-hmm. very it's all done very well as far as like mm-hmm. here's here's a big old fuck you to the war in Vietnam in this movie, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, and <laughs> then like 
you have the Hendrix, you have the Hendrix performance when like the band, like they're supposed to be like, what is it? Jefferson Starship and the Jefferson Starship, Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, yeah. they're, 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 they're um, kind of a combination Jefferson. of that and like uh, Janis Joplin, right? Yeah, um, the holding but, like you have that like that Hendrix piece and they're sitting in the back all kind of wrecked. And like, mm-hmm. why are we going on before, after Hendrix? It's gonna, it's gonna suck. Why are we going on after Hendrix? <laughs> and it's like, and you can just, I, I, just from watching that segment, you're like, yeah, I can agree with them. Yeah, he's he's re- he's wrecking the fucking place, mm-hmm. and, and they're gonna have to go on after him. And like, there's no way in hell any band can go on after Hendrix. Yeah, there's and I think this, the um, uh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. There's this like really deep so. This was written pre really getting into like mental health and uh, kind of that stuff. But sometimes people still tell stories, uh, not realizing they're perfectly describing the the impacts of mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. So in this case, oh, my God, I'm terrible at remembering these guys names. Uh, the son of Z- the son of Zalmi. Yes. Yeah. The, the piano player. Right. The piano, yeah. What's his name? Uh, he's uh, is is it Benny? I think Benny. Benny? Maybe Benny. Uh, we we know you're talking. I I knew exactly who you're talking. Piano player, I, yeah. Okay. Because so, I, I had this too. So yeah. There was this. Uh, okay. So a big thing that people don't realize um, when it comes to mental health, when there's this fearlessness and this kind of giving up. So. Mm-hmm. Like when he goes to war and he says, like, just wants a job, just wants to do anything and doesn't care. Like he just you could see there's like not caring about anything. And if there's such a big message of depression there, and I don't think it was intended. I think it was just very much like someone artistically describing someone's mindset. And that is like the biggest signs of depression. Like it literally kind of explained it in the best way possible. Like his part kind of shook me because a lot of people who are suffering from like serious mental health problems get to this point where they do stuff that's risk-taking because they don't care anymore they don't Mm -hmm. give a fuck like when he went and played the piano that was even more of a description because he just basically said yeah i'm ready to die and i thought it was just such a powerful moment like it just hit me on so many different levels like it just again like i guarantee like they probably didn't know anything about that stuff. It was just written as an artistic piece of saying, this is how he reacted. But wow, was it ever like perfectly described of like the stages that people go through when it comes to depression, like severe depression. Well, you, well, you say like they didn't know anything about this stuff. Like I feel like it's, it's an example of, they didn't have labels for it, but they knew yeah, the, they, they knew the experiences, right? Like, yeah, they, like they, telling someone's story. Yeah. Without realizing that you're telling a story with meaning, like a, a, a like a description to the story. Oh, but I mean, the, the the character is obviously like when you see him as a child, he's obviously introverted, yeah, and, 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 and a little you know off. And by the time you get to him as you know a young adult, um, he's obviously still that way. And he and, just gives up. Like you just see, it gives up. Like he, when he's playing the market, just doesn't care. There's nothing. He yeah, he, and he's I mean, and. and and he's in a he's he's in a like quote unquote perfect life because everything is paid for by his mobster granddaddy basically yeah and like he he could sit there and have the good life but like he feels like he needs to do more and at the same time he's so detached from his father his mother's like he dead. got married when they had the the wedding mm-hmm. and it's like I need you to marry this person he's like yeah sure like yeah. he just didn't care like there was no he didn't care yeah there was just this. Um, 
uh, flat line of emotions. Like, you just didn't feel anything. And it's just, you could see, like, it's, it's a crazy description. And it was the same with, like, Tony and his addiction. Mm-hmm. Like, holy fuck. Like, literally, if I take a textbook, <laughs> I could give you the description that this movie gave. And I think it just, it's so much more deep and so much more intense than, um, like, me who studies it. Yeah, I get to read about this stuff. But uh, to describe it in such a way without intentionally describing it, <laughs> like my mind's blown it was yeah. so good and I, and I was going to say a, a few minutes ago I feel like if I have any sort of criticism of, the, of this film is like I feel like sometimes the lack of budget hurts it a little bit mm-hmm. where like I think some of the early on like the animation like the backgrounds are very like they're static and they don't work for me Lena, I, I need I need something happening in the background and yeah, they like, had a it, lot of it, moments where the background did nothing yeah, and it takes me out of the film a little bit. Mm-hmm. But by the time we get up to, you know, the the fucking Jefferson uh, airplane shit and the fucking acid trip and stuff like that, like it all kind of comes together. And I think the rotoscoping on the Tony character when he's, you know, totally addicted to drugs and shit and he you get his facials and everything, like his facial movements and stuff. Perfect. Like it's it fucking totally shows him in his agony with his drug addiction and he, you know, he's going into fucking like withdrawals half the time and shit. Yeah. That's where nothing matters. Like it drug, the, the high is more important than him knowing full well, this is his son. Cause he has that like moment, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Like his chasing that high is more important than taking care of his own son. Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I'll Don't all think it was, guys. I'll, I'll throw it to anybody. <laughs> Just jump in if anyone has anything they want to bring up. Yeah, Gary, you said that you're going to have a, an opinion afterwards. No, that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I um, picked this film not just because we did rock and roll, you know, for the Patreon Torchies episode. It's just it's my favorite backseat film, and for, it is for a lot of the reasons you guys mentioned, especially uh, the lady over there, you know, because it, it tells it tells a story. It's, although it's a very depressing story, it, it, it really gives a lineage of a family, you know, for, for somebody who had people come over from Ellis Island, you know, and had hard lives during the Industrial Revolution. This, this is all stories I've heard from other people, you know, and n- not musicians, mind you, we're not that talented. We're more of the, you know, digging ditches types, you know, but um, <laughs> it, it all plays in. Um, Again, my my favorite animation from this man. There, there's a, a scene where I think in, in in the mood is playing, and there's some swing dancing happening, mm-hmm. and it's just it kind of reminds you going back to Disney, kind of like the heffalump scene in, in Winnie the Pooh, but yeah. it's dan- dancing, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. really wild stuff with the flashing lights and incredibly stimulating, and the soundtrack is kick ass. Like I said, for from the overture, from the opening credits. If that doesn't hook you right there, you know, I, uh, check check your pulse or something because it's 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 wonderful with the with the the, the art that that's uh, presented with it and the art that's presented throughout the film and the the artists that are represented. Um, you you will not give a shit. You will you will rejoice that this guy came up with night moves at the end of this movie. Okay, <laughs> no, it, it works. It works. It like I'm thinking to myself. Okay. We've already seen punk rock, and now we're going back to Bob Seger, but it's like it works in the context of the film, so it's yeah. perfectly fine. But that's great, man, and that's mm. why I brought the table in. I want to see what uh, Lady Lee thought of it, and yeah, that's 
that's important to me to know what she thinks of stuff because she's kind of a she's kind of a loose cannon sometimes. Like, what's your feelings about this movie? You know, <laughs> I have a loose cannon. I very uh-huh. much am. Uh, I thought okay, I did. I really enjoyed the uh, the music they had at the beginning because um, they had uh, Benny Goodman, which mm-hmm. when I was a kid I used to listen to like constantly. I had a CD that I like destroyed because I played it too much. <laughs> So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. And one of the songs they had, uh, they played in "Some Like It Hot." I'm like, oh, I recognize that one too. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cool because they had these like iconic songs from the eras and just played them. And I thought, yeah, Gary, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy that you liked it. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Vaughn? Um, well, like I said, I, I I really enjoyed the film. I kind of I like how it is this kind of this tragic story of this family's life through music and it's you know it's that ultimate kind of the wishes of the uh, of the uh, of your generations before you have finally come to fruition mm. and it just it really works really well i mean like it's just it's kind of you know if you look back at the stuff with bashy after lord of rings he was kind of frustrated that you know people didn't understand it and he wasn't able to kind of continue on making those films um and he went into something more personal and even though like i said this film isn't you know about a cartoonist you know getting his ass handed to him left right and center every fucking time he makes a movie um it's but it's still about a russian immigrant family and the trials and tribulations of being a russian immigrant in this in the war in america um from you know pretty much pre-world war ii up until the the modern time mm-hmm. um it really just kind of shows the guy kind of putting his life out there on a sleeve you know even though it is kind of an amalgamation of other people yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah so uh, you know i i love this this was really fun to watch uh-huh. and i'm glad you uh, suggested it gary it was it yep. was a lot of fun yeah. yeah it was a lot of fun well yeah. okay it was it was it was sad but it was a lot of fun. yeah no it, it, it is sad <laughs> but i mean it, it, it's fun in the sense that like oh i seen a this really cool film from like a period that i love that i hadn't seen before and like it makes a lot of sense yeah. in, in context with, with the time and like it, it's a nice little artistic achievement that is Definitely. very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, budget budget for this was 1.5 million. United States it made 6 million. Worldwide 20 million apparently. So overall wow. um, yeah so it, this is one of the Bashki ones that actually ended up doing really well which is cool you know then he then he went on to do fire and ice which bombed which is sad because fire mm. and ice is fucking cool um, it is. but it's it's very like that that's a film that would not if, if they made it in like you know 2020 and wouldn't play as well because be I, like, saw, I saw it as a kid i'm like ooh, boobies kind of mm-hmm. you know kind of yeah boobies <laughs> This is not available on Blu-ray. Uh, we were sort of talking about like, I can't believe it's not on Blu-ray yet. No, it's not on Blu-ray. Uh, it's in iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Movies Anywhere, and it's on DVD, but not Blu-ray yet. Which is in VHS. In VHS, yeah, or VHS rips on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit of trivia here. So the battle scenes during the Sing 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 montage were rotoscoped from the film Hell is for Heroes from 1962 or The Longest Day from 1962. There's a bit of a like conflict on where they come from, apparently. Um, 
the two dancers in the sing 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 with a swing montage are the rotoscope nicholas brothers in stormy weather from 1943 uh some of the gangland scenes are rotoscoped footage from the public enemy from 1931 and rotoscope footage of James Cagney and Gene Harlow dancing from that same film is included in the ballroom dance scene where Bella is singing Bill. It's uh, a good movie too, though, by the way, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it before. Uh, and uh, I, I forgot to comment, like, the like the first, you know, third of the film is like, this is kind of the godfather, but it's from the perspective of, like, the musical acts that are, like, associated with the family kind of thing. Like, it's kind of the same deal. Ralph Baskey is the voice of the piano player who tells a pregnant Bella that her song is going to be a big hit. I think you should try it out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, The incident in which Zombie's mother dies is the 1911 Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. Uh, one of the worst industrial disasters in New York City's history. 146 garment workers, mostly immigrant women, died either in the fire or by jumping from the windows of the 8th and 10th floors because the doors were locked shut. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, and there is that scene where that woman jumps over the fire escape, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fucked up. And, like, it, it has, like, real footage. That, that's one of the sequences where real footage, like a burning building, is also implemented into it. Um, the fire prop prompted legislative legislative and union action to improve safety, working conditions, and garment work sweatshops. The words "triangle shirtwaist" can be seen briefly on the wall of the sweatshop during the first scene of the sequence. Mm-hmm. And finally, the score for American Pop was composed by Lee Holdridge as a result of his reputation as an innovator of adult animation. Basque was able to acquire the rights to an extensive soundtrack, including songs by Bob Dylan. Jefferson Airplane, Janis Joplin, The Doors, George Gershwin, The Mamas and the Papas, Herbie Hancock, Lou Reed, and Louis Prima for under a million dollars in permissions oh, wow. fees, oh. which is, that is crazy at that Wait, time. I thought was kind of funny was that they brought up the one part where um, Tony said to his son, um, all I need is love. And the side started writing. I'm like, is there going to be a Beatles song in here? And it <laughs> yeah, wasn't. The, I was like, that's a kind of that was funny. Was that would have that would have cost them two million. In, oh yeah, in but it was, just, it was right. just funny. Like, I, I don't know if this was like a foreshadowing for him being an amazing lyricist, but uh, I just thought it was kind of cool. Like they just threw that in there, and yeah. he just started going like, oh hey, I like that line. And and it, as as mentioned in one of the comments, like, oh. Uh, this film did not show up on, you know, home releases for the longest time. That was because of the clearance issues. Cause you know, you pay for the rights and in the initial release. That's fine. Yeah. But if you want this music in your fucking VHS releases, you got to pay for it. And that was not done until 1998. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that right at the end of the VHS era, basically it's 1998. So, so my version that I watched was even more rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, same, same thing with like releases of like the Wonder Years um, on DVD. Oh my God, so what a nightmare! So the music has changed on there. I think Freaks and Geeks has the same issue where the the Blu-ray has the original music on that aired when it was on TV. Charmed but not as well. The, not the DVD though. Because I had the series of Charmed, and it was like right after it came out, and now like when you watch it, all the music's changed. The one I think of is WKRP in Cincinnati. Yep. I think they, I, I think they eventually got like the rights and did a DVD release of the the whole series under that. But the initial ones, 
No. <laughs> and also, Canadian-wise, hilarious House of Frightenstein. I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah, another big thing. Uh, yeah, okay, th- this was a lot of fun. We had we had fun talking about this movie. Vaughn, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for making me making you guys wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I expect you to fucking fuck things up. That's what yeah. you do. Yeah, I do. But yeah. Uh, tell people about your fine podcast. Okay, for some strange reason, this summer I decided to ask a bunch of people to guest host on the show. So I've already had Lee on the show once. Uh, he'll be on the show in a couple of weeks again. Um, and we've covered stuff like Alan Moore's The Show, the first experimental films with David Cronenberg. We're going to do the fr- going to do the Meatballs franchise. We're going to do Pasolini's at the Cameroon. We're going to couple of, cover a couple of Matthew Bright films. It's strange summer. Um, but if you like that kind of weird shit, um, you can check it out at motionpicturemasker.wordpress.com. Nice. Gary Hill, fucking pimp out your shit. Easiest place to find it is look for The Butcher Shop on your podcatcher. And anything that I would normally do would, would end up there. My Myself and Lee and Cameron do Last Call of Torchies. That's our, our Walter Hill you know, love fest right there. I have one to, I have two to edit. We have record more recording, possibly one next week. Um, slow editing, slow summer, lack of sleep. It, it all fucks with your head, people. <laughs> you know, it really does. And uh, besides that, you can go look for Untapped Gems on the Intestinal Fortitude Podcast Network. That's myself and a uh, fellow Canadian to you guys, Heather Powell. Um, I'll say closer to Toronto. She she is. Mm. Oh. Water down Ontario. That's where she lives. Um, okay. Yeah, right, right by the falls, I guess. So she, she uh, does that with me. We do first watch movies for both of us, and uh, you can find two episodes of that so far. Uh, one being "Don't Torture a Duckling," and one with uh, Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Because yeah. you got to say the whole thing because he's Doctor Peter Weller. Okay, come on now. Yeah, he know. is. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't ask about Robocop. He'll tell you to fuck off. Cause... Oh man. Uh, he doesn't like uh, talking about that film anymore. He loves a lot of it, you know. <laughs> uh, Lady Lee. I feel like I just have to make it known. Not me, Lee. The other Lee. Because I said Lee. Both have said your name. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not me. Um, anyways. You can find me on Instagram at MightyTinyAllStar, where I... Um, I'm supposed to be updating you on podcasts, but it seems that I've had a busy summer, so I've been lazy. (laughs) But you can follow me. (laughs) Yeah. You get cool dog and cat pictures, and you'll get the event, you know, once in a while, you'll get a cool Lady Lee picture, and then you'll get a lot of podcast stuff. When I'm top of it, I'm on top of it, but lately I've just been so busy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is your busy, like, season, basically, so. It is. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, not sure what we're doing next. Uh, I think maybe we'll try to do some like martial artsy stuff, or yeah. chopping mall, or we could do chopping mall. We chopping. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Uh, you know, it's it's always up in the air with this fucking podcast. It's, it's always so like, you want to do this? Well, maybe, maybe we'll do this. <laughs> maybe we'll do this this time. Who we have so knows? many that are in waiting. Yeah, where you know it's kind of <laughs> crazy because. January that we're supposed to do we haven't done them yet yeah because you know we got like a hundred people listen to us on the regular you know eventually you know it gets there like 
the first couple of weeks, it's like, oh, 50 people listen to us. And then like a month later, oh, it's 100 people listen to us. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but they never suggest anything. So it's like, we got to figure <laughs> this shit out ourselves. Hint. Yeah, you could give us suggestions. At, you made it this far. Make a fucking suggestion. Yeah, the must be destroyed on site Facebook page. Uh, you can join us there. Or, or you can find either us of at, our Instagrams, too. Like, seriously. Yeah. I mean, you can contact us in a lot of places. Uh, TMBDOS.podbean.com. That's where you can find all of our shit, download other episodes, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, you should do that, maybe. I don't know. Do it. If you, like this, if you like this episode, it's more of the same. <laughs> if you like people named Lee, and I know three folks named Lee, and I tell you right now, they're all okay. It's just that, uh, see? When you have two of them together, it makes us great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every every episode, at the very least, you get two Lees. Sometimes you get a, like a Lee sandwich with someone in between. This is like a double decker burger at this point. Like this We're is a double whopper. stuffed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're we're gonna fucking end this nightmare, and we're gonna. Uh, but you know, Vaughn and, and Gary, always Thank a pleasure you. to have you guys, and Thank we'll you. have you back again soon. Thank and, you very much. Uh, yeah, and to all you people listening, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through. Thank you.